we could have done a little bit day by day of everything or a little bit at a time for, you know, all the videos and then all the podcasts and then all the newsletters. And I ended up opting to do kind of big batches of work because I don't do very well with like long term sustained effort. So I can put in a really big effort for a few weeks. But if that stretches beyond a few weeks, then I lose all momentum and I just wind up feeling overwhelmed and starting to procrastinate. There are a lot of folks out there telling you how to get your work done. There are planners, apps, frameworks, and methods. And there are even more messages about delegating, time blocking, batching, and fitting a whole year's worth of work into just 12 weeks. Now, it's easy to think that the way you work works for you. And maybe it does. But it's also easy to believe, if you let yourself, that the way you work has been shaped by the shoulds of an entire industry devoted to the capitalist pursuit of helping you produce more, be more efficient, and crank out more value for every hour of labor you put into the world. How would you structure your work if you didn't constantly feel the need to fit more work in? How would you approach your tasks with intention instead of obligation? How would you create plans with stewardship instead of urgency as the motivation? I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that takes you behind the scenes to explore how small business owners are building stronger businesses without the shoulds and supposed tos. This month on What Works, we're tackling the topic of how we work our plans. Now, this is a topic near and dear to my heart because I've spent years trying to squeeze myself into all the right ways of working and planning, only to discover that I really had to make it mine to make it work. I needed to rebuild my understanding of how I work and my accountability from the ground up to realize just how powerful I could be with how I create my work and use my time. In the last episode, I shared a bit about that and quite a bit about how I'm planning for what works in Yellow House Media for this year. And I mentioned that one of my commitments for 2021 is adapt and emerge. So I want to apply that lens to the conversations I've had for this month's episodes. I want to explore how business owners find the curiosity to question how they should be doing something or what they thought the plan was going to look like, and instead find their own way by intentionally adapting as they go. This week, my guest is Gillian Perkins, a YouTuber, marketing expert, business strategist, and the creator of Startup Society. Now, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Gillian through Yellow House Media, where we produce her podcast, Work Less, Earn More. Gillian is a disciplined, rigorous executor who is no stranger to making a plan and working it. And there are plenty of conventional ways that Gillian manages the work to be done. For instance, she loves Asana. But there was a really intriguing part of our conversation where I learned that Gillian's found her true way of working on big projects, like planning for her recent parental leave, doesn't necessarily fit the way we think it's supposed to be done. She calls it batching chaotically, and it's a mode of operation that I can definitely relate to. In this conversation, you'll hear what Gillian's average 20-hour work week looks like, how she changed that up to prepare for parental leave, how she made her leave plan in the first place, and what she's learned by taking time away from the business over the years. Now, let's find out what works for Gillian Perkins. Gillian Perkins, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. So since you are in the business of working less and earning more, um, I'd love to kind of give everyone a little bit of context and start off by having you tell us what an average week looks like for you. Yeah. So I try to keep my working hours at a minimum. I, I do love what I do, though. So I'll spend about 15 to 20 hours on the average week. Sometimes it'll dip as low as 10 hours if I have a lot of other things going on and we're not doing any big projects. And then if we're doing a launch or something like that, I might work as many as 30, but it's normally around 20. Um, and I divide my time evenly over the week, um, normally working Monday through Friday. So typically working about three to four hours per day. I find that to be a really comfortable amount where I can still fit in you know, everything else that is going on in life, um, but get a significant amount of stuff done in my business. Um, so I kind of go back and forth between some weeks I will get to work right first thing in the morning. And that's what I mentally find the easiest to wake mm -hmm. up and really not not even have a morning routine at all, like literally roll over in bed, grab my laptop and stop and start working immediately. Um, I don't always do that. And it, I feel like it, the popular opinion here would be that that is not healthy, but I find it easiest to start working before I like get into that mental talk um, and talk myself mm -hmm. out of it and start procrastinating. So that's what I like doing the best. Um, but I do have a baby and she's about six months old right now. Um, and so right now I can't do that <laughs> um, because I have to wake up and feed her first thing. So um, normally I'm getting to work about nine in the morning right now and I'll work till about noon or about lunchtime um, and then call it a day. Awesome. And what are the activities that you're primarily spending your time on during the work week? Yeah. So I like to theme my work days so that I can focus on one main type of task each day of the week so that I don't feel too all over the place because I find that that is one of the things that is mentally the most difficult for me to deal with is when I have a million different things to do and they're all different. So even if it's just five things to do, but they're all completely different, just switching gears like that. So typically on Mondays, I do content creation um, and specifically I'll either record podcasts or else record videos. Um, and then on Tuesday, I work on our sales funnels um, just because that is like highest priority work, at least in my business. Sales funnels, I have always kind of been my weakest place. I, I love them. And they're really interesting to me. But just like sales strategy doesn't come super naturally to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I need to prioritize that kind of early on in the week and make sure that I'm putting in some time every week on improving our sales processes. Um, and then on Wednesday and Thursday, I mostly am writing and reviewing content. So I'll write promotional content for the videos or the podcasts that I recorded. Um, and then I'll also be re uh, reviewing content that my team created. So if they created content for social media um, or if they set up new content inside our courses um, or anything like that, um, they normally are pretty busy in the early part of the week too, just setting new things up. So I'll look all that over. And then Friday is just dedicated to admin. I love to head out the door a little bit early on Friday. Um, and also, well, I just have a hard time, I guess, like sticking in, staying in the office on Friday. So I want to just get those final like things done that have to get done, you know, paying the bills um, and stuff like that. Um, and then I'm out of there. Yeah, the stuff you could just check off a list and mm -hmm. it doesn't require a lot of brain power. I'm with you on yeah. that. I have um, no creative energy left on Fridays. No, <laughs> no, totally. All right. You mentioned you have a six month old baby. That's why you're here. That's what we're talking about today, going on maternity leave. So when did you start planning for your most recent maternity leave? Yeah. So um, so I got pregnant. Well, math now. Um, <laughs> I mean, how many, how many months must it have been? It goes six months plus nine months 
right? But last fall, I got pregnant. Um, and I told my team that I was pregnant when I was about eight weeks along. And so that was when we kind of started doing the initial planning. I want to say that that was maybe the beginning of December, but we didn't start doing anything because we already, you know, had a bunch of stuff we were working on and coming up on holidays. So when we sat down in January to plan out the year, we were mostly planning out maternity leave. And so we were just looking at all the things that we wanted to get done before then because like they were priorities for the year, but also things that had to get done in order for me to take the time off. Um, So yeah, we got started with that really in January. And then we spent basically the entire spring up until the point when my daughter was born at the end of May um, prepping. I wanted to have everything taken care of and ready for me to leave um, and take that time off at the beginning of May because my last pregnancy. Um, my daughter was my third child. Sorry, this is getting confusing. Okay. <laughs> Too many children. <laughs> um, okay, so this is my fourth baby. And with my third pregnancy, my daughter was born four weeks early. And so I felt like that was pretty possible this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I had things well taken care of ahead of time. Yeah. Um, Okay. So you mentioned that in January, you were kind of focused on what are the top priority things that you want to get done that you need to get done before that actually happened. So what were your goals for taking that time off, both in terms of the stuff that you wanted to get done and sort of like your, your personal goals around your, your leave as well? Yeah. What were my goals? Too many. (laughs) (laughs) Too many goals. Um, I tend to be a a planner and a dreamer and have lots of ideas for things that I want to get off the ground and launch and all that sort of stuff. Um, And so there was this one big project where we have a course where we teach you we have a course where we teach YouTube strategy. And I had realized after running that program for a couple of years that there was a pretty major component that was kind of missing from the program, Mm -hmm. a place where a lot of people were getting hung up, which was that there wasn't a very strong component in the program that talked about video creation um, and video production. And so a lot of people were applying all these YouTube strategies that were tactics, and they were missing the very vital component of having really good videos to share on the platform. And so I'd been wanting for a while to create a program that could pair with the existing program that was focused on video production. So when I was looking at the year and the fact that I was going to have this big chunk of time taken out of the middle of my Mm -hmm. year, um, I knew that I wanted to get that done before I was out of the office so that the existing customers and the new customers who are coming into the program um, would have those resources and could be as successful as possible. Um, But what that meant was creating an entire new course and launching an entire new course um, and preparing for maternity leave at the same time, which is why I say it was too much, because those weren't the only things that were several other like funnels that we wanted to completely overhaul um, and, you know, regular course material that we are creating for our membership program, as well as batching everything that needed to be uh, released while it was on maternity leave. Yeah, that is a lot. Um, (laughs) When you were thinking about, well, actually, let me back up. How much of that then did you actually get done? All of it. You did get all of it done. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we got we got all of it done. Um, But I mean, it was accomplished by way of me working about twice as much as I normally work. Okay. So, like I said, I normally work about twenty hours per week, and I was working about thirty-five hours per week for the four months preceding my maternity leave. Um, Now, in retrospect, I 
I think I could have taken the three months that I took off for maternity leave without working an hour extra if I hadn't added those additional big projects on. So if I just stuck to our regular, you know, day to day operations and just batched the content for while I was going to be gone, then yeah, I think I could have done in 20 hours a week. But adding a launch and a new program plus like several other projects on top of it made it become a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you said you took three months off. How did you decide mm-hmm. on that time frame? Well, like I said, this is my fourth baby. So I've like kind of gotten to practice <laughs> yeah. this a few times. First time I was running a local business and I didn't, I hired my first person ever a few months before so that she could kind of like take my place while I was um, away. And then I think a few weeks, like two weeks after having the baby, she quit on me. (gasps) (laughs) It was the worst. Yes. (laughs) Um, So so that was dramatic. So I took um, a couple more weeks off. And then I think I went back to work after four or five weeks just because I had like she was my plan. And so my plan completely failed. So I didn't have like a backup plan. And I could have just told all my customers, just hang tight, you know, I'll be back. Um, And I think that they would have understood. But at the same time, like it was too stressful for me to do that. It was easier for me to just go back to work and just deal with it in that way, because I didn't want to be sitting at home worrying about my business failing. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then second time, I had quite a team around me. And so I did plan for the time off. But taking the time off was still like significantly affecting my income, Mm -hmm. because I did have clients that I was typically working with that couldn't be worked with while I was away. Um, Third time, lots of plans were made. And then she came a month early, completely (laughs) unexpectedly. (laughs) Um, so this time I did all the preparations. I had the team, I had the systems, I batched the content. I planned to have everything done and ready a month before I was due. And I planned for three months off after that. So, so I successfully managed to take a couple months off this time. Yeah, that's amazing. And remind me, were you completely off during that time? I was completely off for about a month and a half, which was my goal to be completely off. Um, And so I would just like check in Slack like once a week just to make sure there were no humongous fires that I needed to be worrying about. But there weren't um, that things were just handled really well while I was gone. So, um, you know, but I liked being connected and still, you know, not not completely just like wondering what was going on without me but I wasn't doing anything. Um, And then after about a month and a half, I came back and I started working just a couple hours per week. And I took it really slow on purpose when I Mm -hmm. came back and I didn't, you know, start any new big projects. I definitely wasn't creating any significant content either. So I wasn't filming YouTube videos or recording podcasts because I know that like I mentioned earlier, I tend to be an idea person. And once that ball starts rolling, it rolls faster and faster and faster. Yep. Um, and so, you know, taking a couple weeks off for Christmas every year, taking a couple months off for maternity leave, that's my reset. That's like, okay, we get to stop because that ball was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, that, that feels very familiar to me. Um, okay, so you've told us about the kind of the goals and the projects that you had on your plate for the prep period. How did you actually plan it out? Like when you were thinking and when you're, when you were working with your team and thinking about all the pieces that needed to get done, all of the content that you actually had to batch, can you walk us through what that planning process actually looked like? Yeah, so I have a operations manager in my business who does a really good job of kind of that whole side of things. She's the person that like keeps me sane in my business mm-hmm. because I 
generate so many ideas. Um, so she was a huge asset. But beyond that, when I was looking at actually like putting things on the calendar, the tasks on the calendar to get them done, um, there was a few different ways we could have approached it. You know, we could have um, done a little bit day by day of everything or a little bit at a time for, you know, all the videos and then all the podcasts and then all the newsletters. Um, or we could have done these big batches. And I ended up opting to do kind of big batches of work um, because I don't do very well with like long term sustained efforts. Effort. So I I can do I, I can put in a really big effort for a few weeks. But if that stretches beyond a few weeks, then I lose all momentum and I just wind up feeling overwhelmed and starting to procrastinate. So I ended up writing like a massive amount of email newsletters over the course of just a few days. And then I recorded several videos over a day. And then again, a couple weeks later, took another day to record several more videos. And so I was doing it more these big batches every couple of weeks of work. And then in between those big batches, I was just running the business as usual. Gotcha. That's hugely helpful. Um, and I appreciate that you kind of explained the different ways that you could have done it and why you did it the way you did it. Because I think, yeah, there's lots, you know, different people would make different choices in that scenario. Um, I There's part of me that really wants to ask you about how you batch things in the first place. Because I feel like this is very mysterious to people. I've had mixed <laughs> success with batching. Um, Same. Yeah. When you approach like a chunk of work like that, that you want to batch, do you have like a philosophy or a, a framework that you bring to it? How do, yeah, how do you think okay. about it? So I don't know which like personality model this is going to fit into. I feel like there's one of these personality models in which I have a personality type that is why I batch things in the way that I do. But I like to batch things chaotically. <laughs> and the reason is because batching is hard work. And so if you try to do it in too much of a routine way, where it's like every week on this day, I you know do all this work, my mind says no. Emotionally, I say no. I start dreading that day of the week like no other. And I'll get depressed on that day of the week. And I'll do everything I can to avoid that day of the week. And, you know, on that day of the week, I'm sick in bed sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to do it more spontaneously. I have to do it more of like, hey, next week, I see I've got some free time on this day. How about I make a bunch of videos? Um, and so it's more like we look at the month and we're like, okay, this is everything we need to get done in this month. And we spread it out evenly over the month. And then when I have a day of inspiration, I and I, I don't do this like on the day of, I'm not like today, I feel like writing a bunch of emails. It's more like next week, I see some time when mm -hmm. I could write a bunch of emails and then it would be all done and I don't have to touch it again for another month. And so then that's just enough like planning plus inspiration Plus, like me seeing an opportunity where there's time instead of uh, I have to do it because like it's that day of the month and every day that day of the month I have to do it, that it works for me and I can bring enough energy to it. Yeah, that is very similar to when I have positive experiences with batching. <laughs> exactly like you said, the planning plus inspiration in the right uh, balance there. I've started actually blocking out the last week of every month in my calendar. We don't do community events those weeks. I don't take extra coaching calls those weeks so that I have so that I can re I reliably have those days set aside. Sometimes I don't use them. Sometimes they're better spent on time off than um, on batching things, but I've found recently that it has provided me that space that I need to bang out some of those projects. So yeah, that sounds very familiar. 
You'll hear more about what happened during and after Gillian's parental leave in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. When it comes to working our plans and realizing our goals, one of the biggest challenges is isolation. Trying to do it all without the support or input of others is a drag at best and a deal breaker at worst. I'm betting you know exactly how this feels. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely, isolating endeavor. And I bet you also know that your customers and clients feel the same way. They have changes they want to make, things they want to learn how to do, and ideas they want to explore, but it's hard to do it on their own. That's where Mighty Networks comes in. Mighty Networks makes it easy for you to bring your customers, fans, or clients together so they can experience the support of a community of people working on similar things. And your Mighty Network makes it easy for you to leverage your leadership, expertise, or creativity to support the people who gather with you through online courses and events. Plus, Mighty Networks gives you the tools you need to charge for membership, courses, or even bundles. Find out for yourself by setting up a Mighty Network free of charge. Go to MightyNetworks.com to get started. What Works is also brought to you by Standout Podcast Club. Are you a podcaster or aspiring podcaster who wants to create a standout show that helps you grow your business? We would love to support you inside the Standout Podcast Club. The Standout Podcast Club is your hub for the training, coaching, and networking you need to produce a podcast that grows your small business. Inside, you'll find a complete blueprint for producing a podcast that gets noticed, attracts an audience, and helps you grow your business. Standout Podcast Club is more than an online course. It's a dynamic, community-powered coaching hub that helps us help you on every aspect of how you produce your show. If you run into a question, ask. If you're looking for feedback on an idea, tell the club. If you want to talk trends, strategy, or planning for the future, start the conversation. We want to help you use your voice and grow your business, and so do the other podcasters inside the Standout Podcast Club. We also offer a roundtable discussion and Q&A call each month so that you can meet up with other podcasters, get your questions answered in real time, and learn new of-the-moment ideas for your show. Find out more about Standout Podcast Club by going to standoutpodcast.club. That's standoutpodcast.club. Um, let's talk about your, a little bit more about your team. You mentioned your operations manager. Um, did you hire extra help for your maternity leave? Or how did you utilize your team in actually preparing and then executing your leave? Yeah, so I didn't hire any additional help, actually, but I did definitely lean into my team a lot more. So I think that that's a really good thing that came out of maternity leave is, you know, delegating is always a challenge. I think Mm -hmm. it's a challenge for everyone, you know, because we always we know how we want things done. And so handing them over to somebody else, um, you know, there are just challenges that come along with that communicating what we want, having the right expectations, and having them do work differently than you might do it yourself. Um, But it forced me to have to 
learn better how to delegate. And so that was really good. Um, so all of my, everyone on my team pretty much was working additional hours um, in this effort to batch content. So even like my video editor was working additional hours because we were producing more videos. Um, and I let them all know ahead of time why, so that they would expect the, the decrease in hours that was going to come mm -hmm. also. So I think it worked out nicely, at least as near as I could tell from my perspective, everybody got to work a little bit harder for a few months and then have some more time off in the summer. I was a little unsure what was going to happen when I took that time off in the summer. And I thought that it was possible that at least one person, like maybe my operations manager might have to work more than normal mm -hmm. because she would be doing her role and my role. Um, but as it happened, just having me out of the office and not throwing lots of ideas at the team um, did in fact really decrease their working hours. So I think that they went from working around 150 hours collectively for mm -hmm. the month down to working maybe around 100 hours collectively for the month without me. Wow. That's great. It just shows that I should just leave the company basically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're just always making more work for our people for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned that delegating is always a challenge, that giving up control is always a challenge. Has the way you work with your team changed since coming back from maternity leave? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, I don't know if if substantially like on a fundamental level, but like I said, I was just able to like delegate more things. Um, and so I think I was able to give them more responsibility um, and some more leadership roles, which was really good. So what was actually happening in your business then while, while you were taking time off? Were you releasing content? What could people see, I guess, from a customer standpoint mm -hmm. or an audience standpoint? Yeah, from the outside, if they hadn't seen my posts where I was talking about the fact that I was pregnant and the fact that I was going to be taking time off, they wouldn't have known anything was different because we still uh, released one new video every week, released one new podcast every week, sent out an email broadcast every week program still ran as usual. Um, the only thing that looked different was that I was not present answering comments on social media or in Facebook groups. Gotcha. And did you have someone doing that for you under their own name? Or how did you work that out? Yeah, so I have a, cu a couple customer service people who are managing the community, both the free community and the paid communities, um, although they do it kind of differently in those two spaces. So on free social media, the free content we put out, they're really just moderating the comments, mm -hmm. um, especially on YouTube. They're just watching out for like spammers because not only is that just annoying, but it also tends to spiral downwards where when there starts to be some negative comments or spam, it makes more and more of it come. Um, and so it's important that we catch that early. Um, and that's something I outsourced really early on in my business, the moderation of that, because I realized I had to be in a negative headspace in order to um, go into the comments looking for those bad comments that needed to be deleted. And I didn't want to be thinking about that when I was going in to talk to my people. So that just kept happening as usual. And they aren't really using their name or my name there. They're just deleting stuff. Gotcha. And then, of course, like they're answering messages that come in and they do that under their own name. They'll just respond to a message and say, like, hi, I'm so and so from Gillian's team. And they'll answer the question or most likely direct that person to a resource that we've put out in the past. Gotcha. Um, and then on the paid side of things, um, they interact with their own names. Um, for a while, we tried having them interact as the company. So they would use like the Startup Society mm -hmm. Facebook page to answer. But we found that 
well, we specifically had members reach out to us and say, we feel like this is impersonal and weird and we don't like it. And we'd rather have just real people talk to us, even if they're not Gillian. And so we took that feedback to heart and we just had the customer service people start interacting as regular people. And everyone has liked that a lot better. So they kept doing that. And there they are looking out for customer service problems. So like any problem that anyone is having with a program, like a tech sort of problem or an account problem. And then beyond that, they are kind of just interacting as another community member. Mm -hmm. So just providing more engagement and making sure that everyone feels heard and seen and appreciated, you know, and like that they're getting the feedback that they're looking for. Um, and then they also do share resources that we've put out in the past if there is something that can help someone and answer the question. I see. Awesome. All right. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you specifically about how you handled your email inbox while you were off. Hmm. So uh, I, I get a lot of emails because I have a big email list and I send a lot of emails. Mm -hmm. And so just means I get a lot of emails. Um, I don't handle pretty much any of them myself. Um, I have a personal inbox where I get very few emails, actually. Um, try to keep that as private and I'll say internal as possible, although internally we don't actually use email. We only use Slack and Asana, um, and that has been a, just a lifesaver. Um, and so it's only this like strange cross-section of people who I have reached out to myself um, mm -hmm. and are not on my team who email me. Um, so that's nice. But then we do have the customer service inboxes, plural, um, and we get a lot of emails there. So that is what the customer service people are spending most of their time doing. Um, and we've got two amazing people there who spend about 20 hours per week just answering emails pretty much. Um, and so that's just like proof right there that I should have that outsourced because that would be, you know, doubling my work hours just to do that additional thing. Um, and so there we have an autoresponder that goes out to every email that we get um, that just says, Gillian reads as many of these emails as she can, but she cannot answer all of them because there's far too many of them. Here are some specific resources that might be helpful to you. And then if you have, like, if you're a paying customer and you have a question, send an email here. If you need help with this, if you need help with this, that sort of thing. And so that takes care of, I would say the bulk. So like more than 50% of all the emails that come in there, because a lot of people are just emailing to say like, I liked this, um, or something like that. Like they don't really need help. They're just giving feedback. Um, and I really do appreciate that. And I do go into that inbox on a regular basis and read as many of those emails as I can, but it doesn't allow us to serve the audience as effectively as we could, even if it's me out sourcing. Like those people can spend their time better serving people better if they aren't answering all those individual emails that don't really need a response. As far as all the emails that do need a response, um, they reach out to them using, how, how much of the secret should I tell? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they reach out to these people um, using their own name and just identifying as part of the customer service team, which um, I think is very understandable for my business and my brand because um, externally people can see that I have a big audience. And so mm -hmm. They're not really expecting a personal response from me. Now, I think that for a lot of other people who have smaller audiences, um, it, it 
really serves them well to respond as themselves if possible. Um, but in my case, my audience isn't even expecting that. And so it would almost be weird if um, it was me responding um, or even if it was like a template response that I had written. It both wouldn't be as authentic and it would just be a little bit surprising and strange. Um, so my customer service team responds with their own name and generally people are really happy about that and just pleased that a real person responded. Because um, personally, I've reached out to plenty of brands or personalities online and gotten no answer at all, like not mm -hmm. even an autoresponder. And it just made me kind of wonder, like, is this inbox even monitored? Um, or do they care at all that I sent an email? And I assumed that they hadn't read my email. And so I always want people to know that, like, the inbox is monitored, if nothing else, and then also provide as much help to them as we can. Yeah, I think that's hugely helpful. You have just demystified something that I think for many people is a very big mystery. Um, so I appreciate that. Looking back on this year, um, at your prep for your maternity leave, the actual leave, what's something that worked really well for you? I think that the thing that worked the best was the content that we batched, really. Um, it didn't have to be an enormous amount of content, really, because... I I mean, for some people, this might seem like an enormous amount of content, I guess, if they don't normally create content, but I'm normally creating half a dozen or more videos every month and the same number of podcasts and the same number of email newsletters. So I'm normally in a content creation mode anyway. Um, and so I just had to double that for a few months and that didn't seem like that much work, but it meant that, like we talked about earlier, externally, my business looked exactly the same and we didn't lose any momentum. I love that. Was there anything that didn't work for you? Yeah, there were two things that didn't work as well. So one I talked about earlier, and that was just that I went overboard with the mm -hmm. planning. I was too ambitious earlier on. And I don't know what I could have done to prevent that because that's kind of just my MO, I think. Um, but I planned way too much leading up to maternity leave to the point that by the time I took maternity leave, I was so ready to stop <laughs> working. Um, I kind of kind of burned myself out. Not like I started to slow down, but just like I was tired of working. So that didn't work so well. Um, and then the other thing, this is just a really specific minor little thing, but so like I said, I wasn't interacting with my community. And for the most part, that seemed fine. But there's one area where it wasn't as fine. And that was inside our membership program. We have a Facebook group for that program. And we really saw the engagement in that group go down significantly while I was out of the office. And when I came back, we weren't sure at first if it was just my absence, you know, just not having my voice in the Facebook groups that had done that, or the fact that we hadn't really been launching. And so we hadn't had mm -hmm. a whole lot of new members coming in recently, because having new members come in always um, just adds new life to the conversation. But after being back in the office for about a month and being, again, active in the Facebook group and going live a couple times, the engagement really did pick back up dramatically. Um, and so that pretty much proved that it had just been my absence. Perfect. Uh, did you learn anything from this year of prep and then taking time off that you've continued on now that you're back from your maternity leave? 
Yeah, I think that it kind of empowered me about my chaotic batching that I was talking about yeah. earlier. And I just like saw kind of in an extreme way how well that did work. Because before that, I think I was fighting it. I was thinking, you know, this needs to be more organized. It needs to be more planned. I should be more systematic about this. And so I was kind of um, trying to force myself into a box, I think, and telling myself, okay, I either need to do this steadily a little bit every single day, or I need to have these specific batch days every single week or every single month. And I, I wasn't really allowing myself to do something in between. But when I saw how well that worked during the prep time, and especially when we were planning and executing these launches with pretty minimal lead time. Mm -hmm. So we were saying like, okay, we're going to launch this next month and we're creating the program this month. So I ended up only having really a few days available to say like write all the email copy. I saw how much my momentum helped with that. So mm -hmm. the fact that I was writing so many emails over just a few days gave me a lot more energy for the work that I was doing. Um, and like I said, I couldn't have sustained that long term. I couldn't have like kept writing that much, you know, for weeks, I would have completely burned out. But doing it for a few days really just helped me get more energetic about it. I love that. Uh, all right, we have got one more question for you, which is a question I ask everyone at the end of the show. Gillian, what are you excited about right now? Ooh, I'm excited about a new year. <laughs> is that a fair answer? <laughs> that is definitely a fair answer. Yes, I think we are all excited about this new year. Gillian Perkins, thank you so much for sharing how you planned and prepped and actually took your maternity leave this year. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I love that Gillian said that one of the big changes she's made is to empower herself to just go ahead and batch chaotically. It's so tempting to get down on yourself for not doing it right or thinking that you'd be more productive or credible if you just do it the way you're supposed to do it. Now, I fell into that trap for years and I hated every minute of it. I think the only way out of that trap, though, is to experiment with how you work, to start noticing the patterns and the results you get and then try something new and see if that's better. Don't assume that the planning systems and productivity gurus have got it all figured out. But also don't assume that the methods you've developed trying to protect yourself from that crap work either. Experiment, explore, discover. And then adapt the way you work and plan to what truly suits you and what you wanna create in this world. Find out more about Gillian Perkins at gillianperkins.com or on her YouTube channel. Plus, you can find Gillian's Work Less, Earn More podcast wherever you listen to What Works. Next week, I talk with Emily Crookston about how she adapted her plan to grow her business using speaking engagements when COVID hit. She decided to leverage LinkedIn, and we talk about how she made that switch and how her approach to LinkedIn has evolved over the last year, too. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt, and our production assistants are Lou Blazer and Kristen Runvik. I'd love to send you What Works Weekly, the newsletter I send out every Thursday with my latest thoughts on building a stronger business and becoming a stronger leader, as well as my handpicked resources, links, episodes, and videos for business owners. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash weekly to sign up.